welcome to the Animal Control Report with your hosts. Oh, it's just me today. Daniel Ettinger, solo, solo with our guest. We're going to get to here in a second. You want to stay tuned for that. We're going to talk all fun stuff. But before we do that, we got to we got to plug the website. Check it out, keepithumane.com. Also, we're part of the Keep It Humane podcast network. You should check that out. So go to our website, click on podcast networks. We have some great podcasts that are part of the network. Uh, you won't want to miss that. So uh, go check it out. If you if you like cats, we have a community cats podcast that is part of the podcast network. If you like forensic veterinary work, uh, we have the Animal Welfare Junction that talks about everything animal uh, welfare related, animal cruelty, animal, you know, just veterinary work, etc. And then also don't fuck up the crime scene is part of that network, our network as well. So check out the <clears throat> Keep It Humane podcast network. Also check out our Facebook Instagrams, keep it humane, and or the Animal Control Report. You can find all of our good stuff there. I wrote a blog on our website <clears throat> a while ago, and the blog is titled No Chill. You can check that out again, keepithumane.com forward slash blog. And No Chill, uh, obviously, if you can put two and two together, uh, may be uh, a blog about the No Kill movement and just some things about that. So that blog got us to where we are today. And, and we've had our, our guest on before. Uh, he's, he's been a, a friend of the show for a little while now, Scott Giacopo. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again, Dan. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And, you know, the blog I wrote um, several months ago in response to a, a couple articles that were being uh, shared uh, nationally. The, the blog was in response to a couple articles that were posted outside of the the New York, or not New York, Los Angeles, same place, just different coast, uh, <laughs> about kind of the, the backstory of, of the no-kill movement. And, and Scott, you know, reached out. We talked on the phone for quite some time, and I was going to actually write up a, a follow-up blog, which I still may do, uh, but I thought it was probably better for you just to come on and we can have a conversation regarding the podcast, uh, you know, if, just kind of live if you will like we can have some dialogue versus it just being another written blog yeah and i appreciate the opportunity dan i really do i mean obviously that is a hot button uh term in our industry in particular um and um i think a lot of people don't fully understand what how how we at best friends use the term no kill and and I think you know in that in that particular blog you you posted you did you did post something that is on our website as it relates to our facilities you know best friends operated facilities um, in regards to you know uh, um, animals getting lifelong care um, and 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 all that and it was the the intent of that website that that web uh, page that you had pulled it from was for our strictly for our facilities as well as any sanctuary care um and and you know as we as you saw when you and i spoke um best friends does have on the website a a, a definition that we use for you know shelters in general municipalities and Scott, legacy humane societies i, and I looked for i looked for a long time and i could not find that so i don't know where that's located maybe you can send the link um yeah the the language is the language from what i saw so maybe you can help direct that a little further um because i could not find that yeah, and and the language that that you put up there was was specifically for um, for our you know for our 
facilities. You know, we have a couple of facilities, Salt Lake City, uh, Arkansas, Los Angeles, you know, we are in, in New York, we have a couple of facilities around the country that, that houses animals and does adoptions and foster and so forth. But when we are referring to um, the no kill as it pertains to like municipalities and shelters and so forth, what we're really talking about is that 90% uh, benchmark as we refer to it as and you know statistically 90% of the animals that come in can be eligible for adoption whereas that 10% are you know those are the ones that pose a, a threat to public safety or are too ill um, to you know to to really to help and and you know even with that there are you know um, there are exemptions where you know we, we recognize that you know you may get uh, uh, you know 13 percent or, or whatever you know number of animals that come in that are actually dangerous animals um, and and we would never want to or nor would we promote placing a a, 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 a dog out into the public that was a threat to public safety so I, I'm gonna stop you really quick because I I, I want to get into this article. Uh, as a benchmark for just the whole no kill movement, though, this may not be associated with best friends, that language, the language is divisive. And that's my issue with it, Scott. It's not that I don't agree with the ability to get animals out. I don't want to see any animal euthanized, right? I just think the language causes this misconception in the community. And you're going to hear it a little bit in this article. Okay, this article comes from the Denver Post. And this is fairly recent. Watson is free. Animals deserve more no-kill options in Denver shelters. Okay, that's the title. Watson is not only alive, but free from certain death. The 10-year-old English setter was held in limbo at the Denver Animal Shelter, his fate undecided. It's great news for the dog and many of his fans. Watson made head headlines as it looked like his time was up Sunday at the city's municipal shelter where his family had taken him after biting their toddler. Dog rescue groups and dog lovers have been hounding the shelter with emails, calls, and social media postings, including children holding Save Watson signs. It worked. On Monday afternoon, Watson was released to a volunteer from Southwest English Setter Rescue, which rescues and rehomes dogs in eight states, including Colorado. Here's what really gets me, Scott. We really beat them down, explains the rescue president, Susan Dunlap, who was elated on the phone Monday afternoon. It shouldn't have to be so this difficult, Dory. Watson, his high-profile case, should make shelters across the state rethink their adherence to rigid policies when to kill a beloved family met. I use the word kill because I dislike the euphemisms. Dead is dead. Rescue efforts hit the wall last week, according to the family. The city shelter had promised to get the dog back if a good home without children was found and then reneged. The shelter dug in its heels, saying the surrender was permanent and their documents there to prove it. Team Watson stepped up, however, with protests and social media shares, including uh, from No Kill Colorado, which says many animals are needlessly killed in our shelters. Denver's Max Fund, English Setter Rescue of Texas, promised to find Watson a new home one without small, acrobatic, and unpredictable children. English setters can live to approximately 15 to 18 years. The Denver Animal Shelter, once rigid resolve, proved malleable, showing that people can, when the situation calls for it, do the right thing. So, and I can go on and on. This, this again is from the denverpost.com. 
this this dog basically bit a child in the face after the kid jumped on it. So I understand the dog was was provoked to bite, right? However, uh, this was not the first time that dog bit the child, and having this this ongoing okay um, kill versus no kill um, competition almost, or, or like the way that the the quote came from, we really beat them down. Like all the city was trying to do was protect public safety, right? And so in that aspect, they're like, hey, this dog is potential risk to children in the community, whether it's a home without or with children, because kids are unpredictable. There might be a kid on the street that this dog walks by and jumps up and bites it. You don't know. And so I feel like this this whole no-kill you, they don't like euphemisms. The the article writer, um, uh, who is this, Julie Marshall? Uh, however, using no kill in its own self is a euphemism. Yeah, and I don't know anything about that case or any of those organizations that you mentioned, Dan. But I, you and know, one that's not the that's not the point of me bringing it up. The point of me bringing no, it I, up I know, but one of the things to, you mentioned we need to change the language. The that's the, the that's the reality, Scott. Is the language needs to change oh. and being being well, no kill being the the leader best friends why can't they use a different terminology that's all i'm saying yeah i mean it it's it, it, a let, let's get back to the bite you know i mean you said it yourself this this was provoked and i think one of the things we we have struggled with over the years in in sheltering is you know euthanizing any dog that comes in with a bite history and, and without any any background information on whether or not that was provoked. And a lot of you teach you teach dog bite classes, Dan, and, you know, my staff has been to your classes and, and speak highly of your, your 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 training. Right. We have to we have to make sure that an animal control officer, when they do their bite, you know, dog bite investigation are doing it thoroughly. And, and if a dog bites, you know, someone and it's provoked. And I'm not getting into whether or not a child jumping on top of the dog is provoked or unprovoked. I don't know anything about the situation. What I want to talk about is the fact that this, the, we, we have these policies that just say, if the dog bites, you cannot be a candidate for adoption. And that's wrong. It's wrong. Because it doesn't mean that this animal poses a public safety threat just because it landed a bite and a provoked bite. Now, unprovoked bite, like you know, you 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 said you said yourself this this kid jumped on the dog and and it bit. And your concern is whether or not it was would be walking down the street and would jump up and bite a child. This, I mean, this is the second me, this is the second bite of the the kid. My point is, where's the dog's bite inhibition? Right. So right. it's un- it's unpredictable. Now, granted, maybe this kid did just jump on the dog and it bit the one time. But like, what's the threshold for that dog? Right. A dog that bites can have the propensity to continue to bite. And I, I, I just I don't know why we I, I guess here's my real point, Scott, <clears throat> why we go to bat and we get up in arms and we have these these rescues coming from everywhere to try to save this dog because it's going to get euthanized. But you have a dog with a square head that's been in the shelter for 90 or 175 days and nobody says shit about that dog. And that dog's fine. That dog will never show any aggression towards humans, but because it has a boxy stature or a boxy head, no one says shit about that dog. I, I don't know where you're going with that comment, Dan, about no one says anything about the dog. Think about it. Obviously, Think about it. A dog a- that's been sitting in the shelter for 180 days, you don't see these rescues popping up. Oh, someone come save this dog. They're quiet about it. It's because this dog is, it becomes 
a story. It becomes a way to get the brand out there. It becomes an opportunity for them to raise funds for their rescue, right? It's all, I mean, these agendas are obvious to me. Now people may defend them. And I'm not going to talk about, you know, I don't know these rescue groups, but I do know if there's a dog with a blocky head in a shelter for, you know, any length of stay for in, 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 in any shelter, best friends is not going to be jumping up and down. We're going to be working with that shelter to try and find placement for that animal. We're going to, we're going to look at, you know, the, the policies, the adoption policies, we're going to be looking at foster. We're going to be looking at transport. We're going to be looking to help that shelter, get that dog out of the shelter. Right. Rather than having him sit there, because you and I both know if that dog's sitting there for 180 days, his mental health is going to start to deteriorate. So what we want to do is we want to come in, work with the shelter and say, okay, let's take a look at the adoption policies. Is there anything preventing that animal from from being adopted? Is it is it rigid? You know, is it too rigid? Are there barriers to adoption or what about the promotion of that animal? Is it just a picture of an animal of that dog sitting in the back of the run or is it a picture of that dog playing out in a yard with a with a with a kid? Right. Or, um, you know, are they are, are the fees so astronomical that people can't you know, can't, can't afford it. What are the barriers to that animal getting out? Are, are, do they have an enrichment program? And if not, is there an opportunity to transport that animal to another shelter? You know, one of the things I always recommend when I'm dealing with shelters with dogs with long length of stays is to work with other shelters to do a swap, right? Because if one dog doesn't get adopted from one shelter, he may get adopted from another shelter. And, and those are the types of that that's the type of differences, you know, and, and, and we can sit here and talk about, you know, what this rescue group believes in. And, you know, everyone has different philosophies and all that. And I know that there are, you know, people who take the term no kill to the extreme. I get that the public, you know, the public doesn't fully always understand what no kill means. What I, all I can speak to is what best friends believes it means. What we, when yeah, we but you're the use best friends, they're the champion of that term. That's my point. If they came out and decided to change their slogan, right? Cause all it is is a slogan. It's like Nike, just do it. Or Apple think differently. Like if they came away from that and, and didn't champion that slogan anymore, maybe that could make some changes because they have such a reach in the community. That's, that's really my only, my only gripe with the whole movement is save them all and no kill. Like it provides people this idea that we can save them all and no kill and and euthanizing is bad. We don't even know if death is bad, period. We just know that it ends this consciousness. And I think people, whether it's morally or religiously, they may have, you know, their own attachment to that. And I respect that. I'm not by no means uh, downgrading their beliefs. I I think that's fine. But I, I think when we talk about the end game, for animals, which is how do we help them and how do we ensure, like, how do we ensure our community is safe, right? That, like, that's the yeah. bottom line. And and I think we're missing some components of that because I think people want to have this feel-good story. And I said it, I'll, I'll be, I mean, completely honest, I said it in the blog and I'll, I'll say it here again today, like, agen- what is the agenda? Like, when you look at No Kill or when you look at no. Best Friends, right, in 2008, the income was 38 million, which is quite a bit. 12 years later, best friends is worth 106 million, almost 107 million. What are they doing with that money, bro? Like if that's a hundred, like every dot, like they should be building sanctuaries across the country where if these animals are maybe not safe for the community, they can live in like a, a fancy zoo like environment. Let's do that instead of uh, euthanizing or having these arguments of like, should we kill or should we not? Like if they want to save them all, 
Let's do that. What are they doing? What are they doing sitting on $107 million? Well, first of all, Dan, you and I both know no matter how many cages we build, it'll get filled up. And that's not the answer, right? The answer is identifying where these animals that can get adopted and are are candidates for adoption. How can we get them into people's homes? You know, Um, and, and, you know, if you want, I, I mean, I can go down a list of some of the amazing programs that Best Friends has that costs an immense amount of money. Like we have a program called the Embed Program. And, and we take, we, we, we work with shelters who want to make change um, and they want to achieve that 90% benchmark, right? They recognize based on statistics that 10% of their animals that come in cannot be adopted out, but the other 90 can, and they're at 50 or 60% save rate, right? So what we do as, as, a, as an organization, we actually have people who are qualified to work in uh, leadership positions. We actually move them. Um, they up they uproot their life and move to that location for 12 to 18 months, and they work every day in the shelter. We give them grants, we give them, uh, you know, equipment, we give them training, we, and we have a team of people working in the shelter every day, teaching them how to implement these programs, right? And 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 literally doing the work alongside them so that after that 12 to eight months, when we pull out, they can sustain that change and keep going. You know, my team, I mean, you know what my team does. My team travels all over the country all the time, working with specifically animal control officers and, and specific shelter programming where we go in and we, we spend a week riding with these officers and, and talking to them and, and working with them and giving them, you know, giving them equipment. I mean, Dan, we, you know, you did a workshop and, and anyone in your workshop who didn't have a scanner, we provided a scanner to, right? This is no true. And I, and I, I asked for forgiveness and not permission in, in regards to that. So thank, thank right. you for following through. Thank you for following yeah. through with that. So, so that, and, and that's just, you know, that's that my program, which is only, you know, the seven of us and we're traveling all over the country all the time. And we're working with animal control agencies, officers, showing them a different way of doing it. And that's what most of this all comes down to, Dan. And I know you, you teach the same exact things that we teach. Right. Yeah, because you stole my PowerPoint, but that's a whole nother conversation. I think you stole that. Well, no, actually, your dog bite. Come on, son. I don't even now. Come on. There's definitely pieces of my PowerPoint in your PowerPoint. Let's be honest. And that's okay. In, in, in the dog bite one? Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you came up with some great stuff in your, in your dog bite stuff. And yeah, we, we, and we did it with permission. We reached out to you and asked you, this is fantastic stuff. Can we teach it? Because, and that's the other thing, you know, best friends doesn't go around saying, this is what best friends does. We go around the country saying, this is what this shelter does. And they're doing it successfully. It works for them. How can we make it work for you too? Right. I, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I was a chief of animal control for Washington, D.C. Uh, for you know a decade. And a lot of the stuff I brought from D.C. I bring out to the rest of the country. But I'm going around talking to people about other shelters like Pasco County, Florida, which, in my opinion, is one of the best animal control departments in the country. Right. Dallas. I mean, we're, you know, all of these places that we, we work with, Hesperia, California. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, and from all different states we're we're bringing what is working in other shelters right to these shelters it's not best friends you know we're not claiming credit for developing you know community engagement or or you know foster programs 
but we are going into these shelters showing these other shelters how it's being done and how it's being done successfully and we're giving them the resources they need to get it up and running we're giving them training we're giving them money we're giving them equipment and in in some cases we're giving them staff right so it's 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 that's where you know when you talk about how much money best friends makes and all that that's where that money's going and yes we do have a sanctuary and we do have some life-saving centers around the country and we have a lot of staff members you know spread out through the entire country and that's not even talking about you know the 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 shelter vet program that we have we have you know a, a shelter a couple of shelter vets that go around the country teaching you know high high uh, high volume spay neuter how to do you know how to deal with a parvo or distemporal break or a pan luke outbreak we have um you know we have and that, and that's just a small portion of the 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 work that like the regional people do in each part of the country we have teams of people that are working with shelters to help them get to that point we're not we're not you know we're not saying oh well you're not no kill and you don't believe in no kill so we're not giving you anything it's not who we are you know we're working with a shelter right now in california that has a six percent save rate Six percent of the animals get out alive, and they, they, they their their intake is just under a thousand. Yeah, why is that? Gonna, what, you know, what what causes what causes that high of a euthanasia rate? In in well, in this particular shelter, they 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 shy away from adoptions. They don't have staffing to do adoptions, um, and they mm. rely strictly on transport, which is drying up. Right, a lot of shelters across the country are are filled. You know, we, can we, we had a- yeah, can we recenter on, on this though? And I think my, I, I want it to be known and, and we've had uh, other folks from best friends. Brent Tolner has been a guest of the show more than once, more than once. And, and I really appreciate what Brent, Brent does in this, in this industry and, and what you do in this industry. And I, again, the, the issue is not what you're doing. It's not the product you're putting out there. It's the slogan. It's as simple as that. And the, the, the naivety of thinking that that slogan doesn't cause damage is the issue. That's the problem is when we use, like it's 2023, man. Like we've literally, our society has come so far to be like this football or baseball team's name is not appropriate anymore. And we're still like, we're, we're supposed to be inclusive, but we're still using language like this. I feel it's so hypocritical for an organization that wants to be progressive to use these slogans. That's that's my only issue. If Best Friends yeah. came out tomorrow and made a statement against using those terms, I'd be all on boy. I'd buy myself a Best Friends T-shirt. I might even get a Best <laughs> Friends. I might even get a Best Friends tattoo. Right? Like the the idea of helping animals is great. I think y'all do amazing work, but I think it gets overshadowed because I'm boisterous about the fact that the slogan sucks balls. Like that's the reality. And, and that's where I'm at. And I'm, I'm not going to come off that horse, like until yeah. we change it. Right. Uh, you and I talked offline about uh, this buzzword in in professional uh, places uh, in, in the workplace. This buzzword is, is talks about disruptors, people that can come in to a workplace and bring a different perspective and do it in a way that's tactful and and, you know, has. Uh, meaning, right? Like has a reason behind it. They're not just there to disrupt workplace environments to disrupt it. Like they're trying to bring positive change. Let me come talk to you, talk to a group of best friends people, or if they listen to this podcast, Brent, come back on if you want to, and we can further this conversation. They need to move away from that language. That's not inclusionary. Like that's the reality. And that's my beef period. 
everything else outside of it, the programs, fantastic. You're doing amazing work, but we got to get past that terminology. That's where we're at. The problem is that that took $38 million and made it $107 million. So I don't know if the people at the top want to get away from that language. And that's my, that's my concern. Well, I also think as far as the language goes, the only controversy with the language is, 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 is internal with, with, within the industry, right? The public doesn't know the difference, right? And it's up to you in your community to, to show them what no kill means, right? We, I mean, we always talk, we always talk about 90%. I mean, we're not, you know, we're not shy and we're not hiding that. We always talk about 90% benchmark, right? Um, so, so no different than when we go into a, 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 a community, you know, as an animal control professional, when we go into a community, we have obligations to, you know, there are certain people in the organ, in the community that believe your, your, your dog should be able to roam free or you shouldn't spay and neuter. And, you know, our, our role has always been as educators, right? We educate people on how to properly care for their animals and how to, you know, how to comply with the laws and all that. When people say, are you a no-kill agency? If you're at, if you're at 90%, if you, you know, if you're at 90 or the only animals that are, are, are dying in your shelter are those animals that cannot legitimately cannot be placed out, uh, uh, you know, placed in a home, then, then that's, that's what you need to say. Right. Okay. So and, and- we, you just said something about the public doesn't know the difference. That's the problem. The public really thinks no kill is no kill. Like no animal dies in the care of that shelter, that they will save everything. So I came up with this slogan and I'm a champion <laughs> it because I'm a stand behind it. Smart shelters. Why can't we use smart instead of no kill? You're saving the majority of animals through responsible treatment. What's wrong with that? Like why? What, what is wrong with that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Dan. I mean, we, you know, the we're, I know words matter, but, you know, even within our industry, there's there's so many different terminology and all that. And, I, you know, if we can get past the fact that, you know, the 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 the, the community that we serve, you know, they they have expectations. Right. Just like they have expectations of animal control that we need to correct what the reality is. Right. If mm, someone I agree with that, that. Even, yeah. dangerous, even if a dangerous dog comes into our shelter, there's going to be members of the community that believe that animal should not die. Right. A legitimately offensive like this dog is going to hurt somebody. Right. Sure. Intentionally. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's up to us as, as as representatives of animal care in our community to to educate them, just like we do with everything else. I, I completely, Scott, I, I mean, I'm a hundred percent on board. I, I back your, your program. Like, I, I think what you're doing is great work. I just think that I hope someone's listening up, up top. We got to change the slogan. Like that's all it is. Cause it is, it's again, it's naive to think that that slogan doesn't make people think differently. Right. And that's the problem is if we're truly here, let's drop the, you know, it, it's not about agendas in this aspect like personal agendas we have all, like the end of the day like when when i was reading that article like that that rescue should have the same agenda as that municipal shelter but instead it became personal and you could hear it in the reference of yeah. her of her quote like she she made it personal and then like in a sense got off on it like that we don't need that that's not what we're here to do we're here as a collective to help animals i'm reading this book 
I've been reading this book for a while, so don't judge me to our listeners. It's a long book and I'm busy and I read it on airplanes, so it takes a while. Uh, Again, A Traitor to His Species. We had the author on the show quite some time ago, a couple episodes, and uh, Henry Berg, he was like, yo, we need to make sure we're protecting animals in this country. And again, he was a disruptor back then. Like he, again, a traitor to his species. So humans did not like him because he wanted to help animals, right? And and they saw it differently. And, and so uh, I'm not, again, I'm not opposed by, by, you will never hear me say, Scott, you will never hear these words say like, ah, the program that Best Friends does is stupid. Like, I don't think anything you do is bad other than the slogan. And I, I think that got lost in the fact that I'm, because I'm, because I'm vocal about it, it makes me seem like I don't appreciate what Best Friends does. That's not the truth. The truth of the matter is, I think you do great work, and I'm glad that you and I can have this relationship. I just wish that someone, the CEO, the CFO, they can come on the show. Let's have them come on the show and discuss it. Like, it's time for a change. And that's the point is, like, if we want to be inclusionary in this world, then we need to change some of this language that we use wherever it is. We're trying to get away from that dog catcher stereotype. You're helping with that by by your education by your you know policies, whatever you may be able to bring to other shelters to help people operate in a way that is 21st century or however, whatever term we would use. Um, you're doing that. And I appreciate that. And I'll champion that. Like, I, I, I think you're doing great work. In fact, in fact, uh, without naming names, uh, someone from your organization reached out and said, hey, do you have contact information for this other agency? And I was like, well, let me reach out. So I reached out. And I explained that someone from Best Friends wanted to chat with the agency and that you have some good programs. And I, I got some pushback and I said, well, I mean, I'm, I'm the middleman, but I can assure you the programs are solid. Like I'm not going to go to bat for you. And I think because of the misconception, because of this no kill slogan, people don't want to yeah. work with Best Friends. And that's the problem. And, and I'm trying to, I who have not affiliated in that aspect. I have no, I was going to say no dog in the fight, but I should not use that language. Um, See, that's the old historic language we shouldn't (laughs) be using. But, but my point is like, I have no affiliation to either organization, but I'm still going to try to sell your product in, in a sense, sell the, uh, or support your product is probably the better way to say it. Because I think the work that you're doing is solid, but we have people, that we have people that see it and they're like, well, they're just known as the no kill movement, right? They're just known as save them all. And they don't want to, they don't want to work with that, which is unfortunate because you could provide, you could absolutely provide some uh, much needed assistance. Yeah. And, and, and we, we respect and appreciate you reaching out. And, and if we didn't know that you felt that way, we wouldn't have reached out to you in the first place. You know, um, we get that there's, you know, the, the, there are some differences in the terminology, but the, the basic operational programs and, and the work that we want to see done is identical. Right. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up someone like Henry Berg, right. Who, who I, I consider like when I, in times of, in times of stress, I refer back to, you know, I look back at Henry Berg and, 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 you know, being from Boston, George Angel, right. I'm not going to look at a New York guy. Yeah. George, George. Guy, right? yeah. Um, so, but if you think about, you know, what they went through to make mm. those significant changes, right. And then you look at, from that point forward in the, in, you know, throughout our, our industry and our professional histories, 
right? We have made so many changes, right? There's been so many changes and so many things that we, we held to our hearts as belief has, has proven to be wrong. I believe, Dan, I believe we're at that point now in our in our history where more changes need to take place. And I think no kill falls into that. Right. Um, because, you know, if we look at some of these policies that are actually hurting, uh, you know, hurting the reputation of animal control, hurting the, the you know, and, and causing animals lives and all of that. And, and we know them to be, you know, ineffective. Right. Like community cats. Right. For I think community cats, we're, we're, we're at that point now where that tipping point is happening. But a lot of people, you know, still don't believe that we should be doing TNR. Mm, right. That, that we should be trapping and remove, trapping and remove, trapping and remove. And throughout our history as a profession, we have tried to do trap and remove and it doesn't work. Right. Just like, you know, we we always believed as an industry that in order to help an animal, we have to take an animal. Right now we're seeing, um, you know, safety net programs, pet resource centers, um, you know, food pantries, uh, you know, all of these different programs that are set up to help people keep the pets in their home. And it's working. Right. We never we would never dream about that. Gosh, we used to set up uh, freaking, you know, drop night drop boxes. Mm, right. Yep. And, and, and so, so, you know, if you look back to like Henry Berg and what he went through and George Angel, what they went through to, to make those changes and, and the ridicule that they took and the, 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 you know, there were articles, uh, car- cartoons in the New Yorker or whatever it was, you know, depicting him as an idiot, you know, or, or you know, all of that, they, 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 they persevered and they kept going and they brought us to where we are today. And, and we, we, I, you know, I always think we, we uphold a, a, a tradition, right, of, mm. of helping animals, but doing so by moving, by constantly moving forward, right? Like, I remember when I first got into this business, it, nothing is the same, right? And that's been over 30 years ago, right? In the past 30 years, things have changed so much. Like, and I was a big advocate for any time we had a dog fighting raid. Right. And I've had more than my fair share of raids where I've seized hundreds of dogs, you know, dogs that were involved or trained to be dog fighters. We always believed that they were dangerous animals and should be euthanized. No assessments, no individuality. We just we just brought them one by one down to that euthanasia room. And the Michael Vick case, the outcome of the Michael Vick case, which Best Friends was involved in, proved that to not be the case. It probably probably helped get them one hundred and eight million dollars, too. But that's that's a whole nother. Publicity sure. helps in this profession. Now, what yeah. you're saying about Henry Berg, George Thorndike Angel, and Carolyn White, don't forget about her, um, who started of the course, first animal yes. shelter, right? And when we talk about our history, I think I think you're right. And continuing to move the profession forward is extremely, extremely important, right? And how do we, like, I don't, again, and I don't want to see any any animal euthanized, man, if I don't have to, like, if, it, if it's not a, a, again, if it's not a situation of, of public health and public safety, then let's do our best. I think we just have to figure out ways that we can all work together. Like there shouldn't, there really shouldn't be this, like, truthfully, when I reached out to that agency and said, Hey, you should entertain this. And they're like, nah, we're not, we're not doing that. Like there, there shouldn't be that, right? Like there shouldn't be this, oh, well, best friends has this taint on them, if you will. And it shouldn't be flipped. Best friends shouldn't think that like, oh, this agency, because they're, you know, old school, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I I think like, 
I think what you the work that you're doing is is fantastic trying to break those break those boundaries down and I know best friends does come to a lot of animal control conferences but I'll I'll be honest with you those people sit behind a table right they have a, a dazed look on their face they're not engaging right and so animal control is not going to go talk to them they don't want to have anything to do with them right and so we got to rethink retool how best friends kind of hmm, infiltrates that's not the right word but uh integrates with animal control right like there it's not an inviting table there's no relatability because those people aren't officers but they're at an animal control off uh conference they're at more animal control off uh, officer conferences and and i'm blessed to be able to say i go to quite a few in this country than our own national organization is right best friends is there but they're there I mean, you could send a blank poster. It would it would do the same thing. So you have to rethink. You have to rethink how that looks in order to get people to buy into the product. And and whether whether that is like getting more officers on your staff that are relatable. I know you have a few now, and and, and shout out to both of them. They do great work. Uh, people that I, I really uh, like and admire in this profession. And 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 we have to find ways to incorporate them more in the aspect of like that networking world, not in a, not a class, not somebody just yeah. standing up there teaching a class and, and spree, speaking the gospel, but like a networking world where they're like, you know, people are a little more loose and can talk about it. So that's just my two cents on sending um, people to animal control conferences that are animal control and then can't really relate with the, with the staff that's there. Yeah, and I think you know we are growing. We we we've hired a few, you know, in, in addition to AJ and Nick Walton, um, you know, and Nick's wife Anna. Um, she did, uh, you know, she did some time in in, in animal control. Uh, she's also a subject matter expert in dispatch, and we're really, you know, now we're working a lot more with dispatch programs and and really upping the professionalism of dispatch and getting training. And you know, I don't want to get on that rabbit hole, but you know, and we have Tammy Jo Hallman who who can tear a shelter program apart and put it back together and show you exactly what's wrong with it you know i have a great team but you know best friends as an as an organization is relatively new to working in the animal control world i mean it's only been you know i i, I for as far as i know i was one of the first individuals hired with really you know a lot of animal control background um and that was in 2017 right and since then we have recognized the role that animal control plays in in life-saving and in shelters and in animal you know animal protection and welfare and and we've made you know significant strides in the the resources that we provide and 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 directly to animal control officers you know like we mentioned earlier you know microchip scanners right so many agencies don't even have microchip scanners or, or, or aren't using yeah. them right and Absolutely. and i have i have money to buy them right um and and even for you know agencies that i know would if you called them and they they would say nah 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 i'm not gonna work with best friends i'm not gonna work with best friends right it the, to a degree you know we 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 have that money. I mean, we have those that equipment that we can give to people. I give NACA scholarships out all the time, right? To attend NACA level one and two, right? With no, you know, there's no strings attached. You don't have to, you know, as, as you would say, drink the Kool-Aid, wear the orange, you know, whatever, right? You don't have to buy, buy a best friend's t-shirt, although I'd like you to, I, I might send you one, Dan, um, you know, but it, it's not about, it's not about, I know it's hard to believe, but it's not, it's not about us. It's about helping these agencies make those changes and get to that next level. 
right? Because we know that it's not, it's not just philosophical beliefs. It's resources, right? Because we all know, and, and Best Friends is rec- recognizes that. And that's, that's what I wanted to bring, you know, that's what I wanted to, this, this, this point to be is Best Friends is doing more for animal control now than we ever have. And frankly, more than most agencies do. Figuring out a way to change the perception from animal control and Best Friends, if I can help with that on this show, if I can help with that, just in general at classes that, that I, you know, I'm so thankful that I'm able to go teach. I'm, I'm here to champion it. What you'll never hear me champion are the slogans. That's it. That's all I'm saying, Scott. So if y'all want to, if y'all want to come up with a different slogan for me to use, I'll use it. Best friends, you know, does recognize that animal, animal control field operations are the front line, right? They're the tip of the spear. Right. And, and, and I believe that. And I, you know, I, I, and I've brought that to, to best friends and, and that's why we, we have dedicated so much more, so many more resources than ever in the history of best friends to municipal agencies, to animal control. We support NACA. Um, you know, we, 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 we've given, you know, we, 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 we buy ad space, we support their conferences, um, you know, all, and all of these other, you know, conferences that you talk about, those are local state animal control associations, right? We, we sponsor those and it's not just to get out there and, and wave the orange flag, right? We know those agencies are limited in resources, right? And we want to contribute to their efforts. Absolutely. And, and speaking so, of yeah, resources, we might spend, spend $5,000 for a table, um, but that's to us, that's money well spent. Well, we can talk about that offline. Uh, I want to go back into resources really quick because you and I wanted to talk about this before uh, the show uh, commences, and we can we can get back into a few things before we end. But uh, a book was recently released by a, a couple friends, um, Virginia Maxwell and Martha Smith Blackmore. It's called "Investigating Animal Abuse Crime Scenes." It's a field yeah. guide to investigating uh, animal control, or excuse me, animal abuse crime scenes. So there's a discount code you can actually get twenty percent off. The discount code is on our website, keepithumane.com under partners, under about and partners. I'll give you that discount code just in case you want to write it down now. Uh, it's all caps, E-F-L-0-1. And you can use that at your checkout out for 20% off. Um, again, check out the website, keepithumane.com under our about. Um, and uh, you can go there and, and get the discount code if you missed it. And there's a direct link right to the, the webpage where you can buy the book. So Definitely, I highly recommend it. It's it's on my to read list. It's behind my Henry Berg book, which I'm almost done with, and then I'm going to jump into this. I've already uh, thumbed through quite a bit of it, and they did amazing work. And uh, I actually uh, shout out to a couple of the contributors as well uh, to the book that I, I might have mentioned before. Um, but they they uh, they they did a great job. I, I highly highly recommend it. It'll give you some. Uh, um, It'll give you some great insight into just that's the other piece is like continuing to set the standard for our profession through how we do our job, whether it's how we talk to people in the field, how we investigate crimes. One thing that always sits with me and I've, I've shared this before and I'll share it again and again and again is uh, one of our city attorneys uh, who eventually went on to be like the actual city attorney. Um, she said, Daniel, 
you know, you guys, animal control, you're so misunderstood. She said, when you go out on a call and it's an animal control or animal cruelty investigation or dog bite, um, you have to do the entire investigation. Most police departments will pass along an investigation. So say a cop goes out for a domestic or something in that case. That gets then pushed on to an investigator, a, you know, a detective. And then there may be a crime scene person that comes out, right? And then you have, uh, you know, maybe somebody that, that has to collect other, like, other types of evidence and things like that. Um, and, and she's like, animal control has to do every single aspect of it, right? You're not going to have the detective come out. Like, you're going to work the case from the inception until you go to court and testify, pretty much. And, and so I thought that stuck with me where it's like, we have to do the entire, the entire investigation. And it's just, it's maybe misunderstood. And so um, what you're saying and what you're doing with best friends and to can you continue to, to really create that environment of building up these officers is, is highly commendable. Like, I think it's great work and, you know, I'm supportive of it. And, and that's why you're always welcome back on the show. And, and though we may have hard topics or hard conversations because we have slight differences in terminology, it doesn't change the fact that I think you're doing great work. Well, I appreciate that, Dan. And, you know, again, I think these conversations and not necessarily, you know, the terminology conversation, but the conversations that we're able to get, you know, be involved in um, with, you know, programs and, 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 and so forth, it gives us the opportunity to 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 grow, right? We can't grow without conversation. We can't grow without debate. We can't grow, you know, if you look at, you know, when Henry Berg uh, um, started the ASPCA, he didn't want to have anything to do with animal control, right? He said that there was, it was a conflict. Um, and, you know, as the, as, as, as they grew, as, as the A grew and as society changed and morphed into, you know, what, what it was that changed. And, and yeah, well, animal so, control was, was more, not even, it wasn't yeah. even, where like so if if people know the history the 1811 law concerning dogs out of new york uh known as the animal collector at the time like that was animal control right so animal control was only if you will the dog collector or you know the dog catcher in that aspect and so i can uh, totally understand why uh, henry Berg did not yeah. want to have that association with that but it, uh, uh, over right. time obviously that grew Right. And, 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 and I think, again, I think we're at that point now where we're ready for some, some changes, right. And we're, we're seeing them, right. We're seeing, we're seeing the, 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 the community-based approach to animal services catching on, right. Because we recognize that what we have done up until now isn't as effective, right. Issuing citations and taking people's animals will willy nilly, just if you break the law, you break the law It's zero tolerance. We're taking your dog, we're issuing you a citation and whatever happens, what happens. Right. We recognize that that's not always the most effective way of doing it. Now, I, and I use that, you know, I have that disclaimer that, yes, yeah, sometimes that is the appropriate approach, but the majority of times it's not. Right. We're seeing that happen across the country. We're seeing community cap programming, even in places where it was, uh, you know, opposed being being like you know cha changing being forced on them whatever you want to call it right changing and then it's like wow this worked you know for me a lot of it comes down to like in during covid right how many agencies out there went to an emergency response only uh oh, model a lot. COVID, yeah absolutely right? but and and absolutely. and, and the, the sky didn't fall 
right? I mean, it wasn't horrible. There wasn't animals running the streets getting, you know, it wasn't chaos. But one now, of the things that, yeah, one of the things I'll just briefly touch on is like one of the things we changed when I was in Denver at the time was you can do bike quarantines by like video chat, right? So you could see the dog, put the yeah. dog on quarantine. And guess what? You could release it the same way. And I know some agencies went back to in-person, which is fine. But just imagine how much time that saves to make a yeah. maybe five-minute five minute video chat call at most and be done with a quarantine, right? Um, and so, yeah. And there's I, a lot of I, things absolutely. that change. But then, then, you know, and then we started seeing these agencies go back to the way it's always been. Why? You know, mm. when we saw... When we saw the way the emergency response only, right, it was, you know, it, it worked, right? And and, yeah. and we saw the numbers of animals coming into shelters diminish. We saw the numbers of animals dying in shelters diminish, right? And, yeah. and now we're going back and we're seeing those numbers climb back up, except for cats. Now, here's the other thing. A lot of agencies stopped taking in healthy stray cats at that point. Agencies that were, that were opposed to doing it beforehand were almost forced, you know, COVID- forced their hand and and, sure. and at the end of it they're like wow we don't have to go back that to that and and we've seen you know based on our, a 22 data set we've seen that number you know with cats it's not that bad but with mm. stray dogs it's back through the roof right and adoptions are down and you know all of this stuff or adoptions are stagnant you know where a you know, dog intake is up these are the types of things that you know we do we, we take a look at and we try and help agencies develop programs around that. But those programs already existed. Why did agencies go back? Why did so many agencies go back to the old way of doing things when they saw how well it could work? That's and a I think really a lot good of it question. Has to do with, I, think, I think it has to do a lot with uh, political pressure because a lot, you know, you know, and I always say in my workshop, and I know you've sat through my workshop before, Dan, animal, animal control is the only governmental agency that does what they're told by the community. Right. If, if or, or by, you know, you can't call a, a police officer and tell them how to do an investigation. You can't call people, a fire. People try fire. Right. You can't you can't even call the sanitation department and tell them to come come to my house right now on a Sunday afternoon and pick up this old mattress I threw out in front of my house. Sure. But man, you could call animal control and say, hey, there's a there's a cat walking through my yard or there's a raccoon tipping over my trash can. And we're going to go out there and get it. Yeah. Even though we know it doesn't work, right? So why do we why do we keep doing it? And this is a whole different conversation I'm going down. But my point being is, you know, there are answers, right? And and uh, and sometimes it's a leap of faith. Sometimes it's being forced into it. Um, mm. But we know these things work. We know they do. Absolutely. I, at the end of the day, Scott. I mean, we have. I think you and I have very similar perspectives on the profession and, and I appreciate your willingness to talk about it freely and, and allow me to um, be open in my feelings like I'm not again for to reiterate like I'm not against anything that best friends does outside of the slogans and so uh, you know if you if at some point if if that changes and there's an opportunity to talk about it um, the rebranding if you will um, I'm, I'm there to, to help champion that if, if that happens um again check out our website keepithumane.com i have a whole thing on smart sheltering again saving the majority of animals uh, through responsible treatment that's that sounds good that's a smart shelter uh, who doesn't like that it's like a smart car or a smartphone it's a smart shelter i mean what a great ring uh we didn't even get into socially conscious sheltering which 
that's a mouthful in its own. Um, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I think you and I can agree in the aspect of we're just here to help animals and help keep the community safe. Like that's period from disease or from, you know, uh, potential risks of, of, of safety, physical. Um, but the, for the most part, I mean, I'm not, I, I can't say I run analytics and no, uh, but that sounds about right. It sounds about right that 10% of animals that come in may be a true threat physically, or uh, maybe they have like a, a, a medical condition where they can't, you know, it's better to end that suffering in that aspect. Um, but based on, you know, I've been in this industry now working on almost 15 years, if you count volunteer work. Um, and so I can agree with that. I think you're, you're right on in regards to that 10% number. Um, but again, well, we just got to figure out for me, uh, for me to get fully on board, you know, I mean, like I don't even eat meat, bro. Like I don't even eat the flesh of an animal. And I'm sure many people work with best friends. I know, matter of fact, I know people that work with best friends that don't want it to be public uh, or don't want it to be uh, shared with their peers uh, who eat meat, like, because, you know, it, it's a whole thing. And so like, I'm already there as far as my actions. I'm just not there with the verbiage. That's all. Yeah. And that's, you know, Dan, you, you know, you, and your listeners, if you, you know, we have resources, we have opportunities. And, and, and if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to use a terminology, just all I'm asking is please just do the work right? That saves animals lives. Because we know, like you said, that 10%, right? That 10% is there, but that 90%, right? And that's just a benchmark, right? That's just a, that's just the, the low end, right? The 90, the 90% of animals that are coming in, there are answers for them. And I remember yeah. sitting in the euthanasia room myself and, and, and just euthanizing cat after cat, after dog, after puppy, after kitten, and saying there has to be an answer. There has to be, there has to become a day when this will not be necessary. And sure. we're there, right? We're right there. And there's so many programs and there's so many things and there's so many ways of doing that. All we need to do is take that leap of faith. And just say, well, if it's working in in San Diego or if it's working in, you know, uh, uh, Austin, Texas, or if it's working in, you know, Nebraska, it can work here. And, and try I heard it. I heard in Austin, Texas, that it was working in a warehouse of animals. That's a whole nother. <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. Let me ask you this. How do people get in touch with you or best friends? Like, what's the best way if someone's like, you know what, after hearing this, they're like, let's entertain this. Like, let's see what best friends can do uh, for our organization. What's the best way that the, they can reach out? Well, they can absolutely, you know, email me Scott G at bestfriends.org. Um, and I can certainly put them in touch. If it's not me and my team, I can certainly put them in touch with someone. Um, so I'll be, you know, obviously that's a, a great way of doing it. The other thing I would highly recommend, and I'm going to put a link in this message um, in, in this chat here. And um, okay. we we have a um, uh, a website dedicated to uh, just to, to to animal control um, and it's well to shelters. Right. Not just animal control, but it's it's a it's a it's a B2B right business to business um, website. It's called our ne uh, network dot and, and on that site is a whole page dedicated to field operations and, and what we what what we teach. 
right? There's okay. manuals, there's templates, there's um, playbooks, there's videos, there's learning e-learning modules. There's a whole slew of information. You know um, what else current... is on this? You know what else proven strategies that's on this? What's that? Diverse, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Huh. Yeah. And here I am talking about this uninclusive slogan. Huh. <laughs> How about that? Can't help myself, man. I can't help yeah, it. I know, it's man. friends. I know Let's get with the program, yo. That's all I'm saying. Get with the yeah. program. Yeah, you can't preach one program. side and not get with the other side, man. That's all I'm preaching. So I, I appreciate Scott. I really appreciate it. Again, you're always welcome. We'll put this link uh, in the show notes if people want to check it out. Again, it's network.bestfriends.org forward slash proven dash strategies. Check it out. There's some good information on there. Scott, you've been a pleasure. I feel like this has been a great episode. Always. I hope no one's offended by it. Um, just understand that, you know, we, we have the same, we truly have the same goal in mind. We just have different ways of maybe articulating that. So uh, as always, check out our website, keepithumane.com. Use discount code ACREPORT for 10% off of your next purchase. Also check out our partners at the animal control, excuse me, not animal control report, the keep it humane podcast network. Again, that's on our website as well. Keep it humane.com forward slash podcast network. And we'd like to say thanks for listening. Keep it humane, Maine, man. It sounds weird doing it alone. Bishop, come back. She'll be back next week. Thank you. Bye.